Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. The classified documents found at President Biden's home are not going away. Today, the Secret Service now saying they have logs of visitors to the Biden household and that they're willing to share them. To discuss the media coverage of the Biden files, as well as the involvement of the Chinese Communist Party in the Penn Biden Center, we spoke to Director of China Policy at Center for Security Policy, Bradley Thayer. Bradley Thayer, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Bradley, uh, we're seeing a sudden surge of uh, mainstream media coverage of the Biden documents uh, with ABC even breaking the story. Does this, uh, in your opinion, speak to the gravity of the story or is there a potential subplot that we should be looking out for here? Well, uh, I, I think three things. First, uh, we're just at the on the cusp of this. Uh, we're going to be pulling on this thread for a long, long time. Uh, and so what we know is alarming, but we don't know that much. We know the classified documents of a, the, the highest level of classification uh, were found at various locations on Biden's uh, properties, the Biden, the, the Penn uh, Biden Center and his residences, and perhaps in time we'll find others. Um, but we don't know beyond essentially broadly Ukraine, uh, for example, Iran, uh, possibly China, Russia. We don't know the contents of those. So the uh, development is alarming. It should have never happened. Uh, but there's going to be a lot uh, that is going to be uncovered with respect to uh, the gravity of this and, of course, the, uh, the consequences for the Biden presidency, but for the American people and our relations with other countries uh, as well. So secondly, we should think about the broader implications of this. Um, Biden has stumbled badly here, uh, and that obviously is going to have a domestic political impact, but it also has an international impact as well, as the suspicions that Biden was already a weak president with respect to China uh, and the threat from China are only going to be reinforced uh, by this. And then thirdly, of course, uh, it... Uh, really uh, becomes a very serious matter uh, of uh, the rule of law and uh, how uh, the necessity of ensuring that presidents, vice presidents, obviously, in this instance, or presidents, and all elected officials are, are going to essentially follow uh, established protocols with respect for classified information. So it's a very grave situation. We know that now, at the really at the dawn, uh, of uh, what's going to become uh, very likely the most serious crisis of his presidency. Uh, but we have a long way to go, uh, many, many months, with House investigations, obviously the special counsel, and then, of course, concerns within the Democratic Party about uh, President uh, Biden and the viability of his potential candidacy for 2024. I just want to switch gears uh, before I let you go here. Uh, you did touch upon this. There's been a lot of talk over the connection between the first location where those documents uh, in, in former Vice President Biden's uh, you know, office at the time um, at the Penn Biden Center. Um, 
there's talk about a relationship between the CCP and, and, and uh, the University of Pennsylvania. Do you think there's any there? there? Well, indeed there is, and, and it's a symptom of a much larger problem, and that is how the CCP has influenced American media, American universities, American corporations, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, our political system. We can go down a very long list of institutions that have been affected by CCP influence, and a, a major part of that CCP influence is money. We know that the Penn Biden Center received at least uh, a very significant amount of money, and the estimates vary, but uh, quite likely approximately $54 million uh, or very likely more. Um, when we look at the full scope of uh, CCP donations or gifts in kind or, or other support for the University of Pennsylvania. So it's a petri dish. The University of Pennsylvania is really a petri dish uh, that reveals uh, how corrosive uh, and malevolent CCP influence is at our institutes of higher um, learning. But another point needs to be made, and that was that Penn was one of the major universities um, pushing for the end of the China initiative, which was a very important Trump policy to explore the implications of Chinese espionage intelligence collection at American uh, universities uh, and other centers. Biden administration ended that policy. Um, so that was uh, worrisome. We need to be worried about the money that was given, of course, and the influence derived, but then also how the universities serve as a mechanism of influence for the CCP in the American political system and actually influencing negatively our national security. Uh, so very worrisome uh, development. Bradley Thayer, really appreciate you joining us. Thank you, my pleasure. The federal government's credit card continues to max out as they apply for yet another increase to the spending limit. Some say the damage has already been done, but are there solutions to getting America's spending back in order? Here to discuss, we're happy to have on Policy Director at the Center for Renewing America, Paige Augustine. Paige Augustine, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Paige, it feels like there's so much going on related to the economy and fiscal policy right now, so it's really hard to keep track. But going back to the uh, 1.7 trillion omnibus budget bill that was just passed uh, right before Christmas, what impact do you think this is going to have on the economy moving forward? Well, I think it's going to be more of the same. The The Democrats and the big spenders in Washington clear, clearly haven't learned their lesson. I mean, they said the Inflation Reduction Act and was going to lower inflation. They said that inflation was transitory. Nothing to see here. We can just keep spending money we don't have. And what we what the American people have experienced is that the, they don't know what they're talking about. Inflation is high. The economy is in a rough position. I think it's been 21 months straight of stagnant wages and they're flooding people across the border. It's like it, they, they have no concept of reality. So I think we can expect more of the same from them. Now we do have the debt limit uh, upon us as we speak. Um, what will fiscal policy look like for the next two years with a divided Congress? And is there a place or where do you think Republicans and Democrats could find common ground um, moving forward? 
Yeah, I think the leverage point, as you mentioned, is the debt limit. It is it is approaching. It is not, I mean, I think we hit it technically today, Thursday, but Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, said in her in her note to Kevin McCarthy, I think she said, we're hitting the one point or the $31.4 trillion debt limit and we can do some extraordinary measures and we'll we'll talk to you again in June when the actual date comes. I think the whole thing is a play to try to push the conservatives in the House to kind of make concessions early. The reality is the big spenders, the people who have gotten us into the financial mess that we're in are the ones to um, blame for this. And now they're coming hat in hand and they really don't have a position to to, to stand on. They don't get to make demands. And I think the House conservatives um, have the leverage point and they, we've saw seen what they were able to do. They got so many wins for the American people out of the speaker fight a couple weeks ago. And they now have the opportunity again to, to say, look, we're not just going to keep doing this. You can't just keep raising the credit card limit. You have to do something to get your financial house in order, which Congress and Washington have been loath to do. I think what it's We've been doing this over and over again, time and time again, with no change. We just keep digging the hole deeper and deeper. You bring up a lot of really, really good points there. Um, so I want to, I do want to ask you how difficult you, you meant. You touched upon it there with some of those wins um, for members of the House Freedom Caucus that were and others that were fighting for uh, certain things that that were eventually agreed upon. Um, how difficult do you think McCarthy's job? given the contentious bid for speaker, um, and now managing a conference who clearly has a wide-ranging set of views and ideas. Yeah, I, I mean, he does have a difficult job. And I think the the power, though, when you have a, um, a close margin of um, majority like this is really with more each individual member, which I think is better for the American people in the long run. And so, yeah, the, the people who have racked up the debt voting for omnibus bill after omnibus bill, voting for inflation-causing bills, sending $114 billion to Ukraine. Those are the ones who have racked up this debt, and now it's it's their problem to figure out. So they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do. They're going to have to come with some type of financial plan. I think Janet Yellen didn't put a single number in her letter except for the, the, the notice that we're hitting the $31.4 trillion limit. Well, why don't we see your financial plan? What is your schedule of payments going to be? What are we actually going to prioritize here, which is something they have never had to do? And so now they're going to have to. Paige, I just want to switch gears a little bit here and ask you about a bill that's just been re, uh, reintroduced in, in uh, the House. Uh, it's called the Born Alive uh, Abortion Survi Survivors Protection Act. If you could just give us a little bit of an idea, some of the specifics behind this bill. Yeah, so this is a bill that um, Congress tends to vote on in re Republican majorities. It's because the Republicans are the pro-life um, party. And what, what, what they have said is, look, if a baby survives a botched abortion attempt and is born alive, the medical um, professionals have to provide the same level of care to that baby as they would any other prematurely born baby. And you hear um, Democrats on the other side of the aisle saying that they're pro-choice, and then they use 
um, scripture sometimes to justify their position, saying that it's not the government's body, it's not the government's choice. But the reality is leaving a helpless baby on the table to die because you want, you otherwise wanted to abort it is heinous, inhumane. And uh, we're saying, base, the Republicans were saying basically, look, if that happens, you have to provide medical life-saving care to that baby. Paige Augustin, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Steve. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.